shining today I should be out working in the yard but um, we're, we're recording an episode, we're recording an episode for our faithful listeners well um it is time for purchasing tickets if you want to go to the Keeneland Spring Meet yes so Keeneland in Lexington Kentucky yes great racetrack world-renowned the horse racing that will take place in April the tickets have just gone on sale um it's a little shorter um season with as far as um, the actual numbers of race days. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's, you know, four weekends in April, but I think there's only three Saturdays that they're racing. Oh, okay. And then there's Easter, which takes one of the Sundays. So there's a, a few little tweaks less, in the... Less options means even more reason to go get tickets now if you're yeah. wanting to go. But and we just so love Keeneland. In fact, we did a whole episode. If you're we wanting did. to make the trip, you should listen to our episode on Keeneland early yes. on in our recording of these episodes. Yes. But um, I just wanted to mention that because it's such a fun event. Episode 12 in season one is Keeneland. Okay. Yeah. And then I also wanted to mention a, um, a friend of mine that's in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah. Has a company called Prim and Brim. Um, okay, I'm interested. And it's hats for horse racing, for Keeneland, for Derby. Oh my gosh, that that's kind of thing. great. And it's like a pop-up store because it's, you know, not a store you need year-round. Okay, so she shows up at different places around Bowling Green with her I'm assuming that's goods. how it works, but there's this, it starts on March 5th, which is Thursday. Okay. Um, her pop-up store in Bowling Green. And so if you want to check out getting a fascinator or a hat for Heck one of yes. these races, um, that would be a great place to go if you're in the Bowling Green, Kentucky area. That's awesome. Um, okay, so speaking of sort of fancy things like fancy hats, I volunteered at this event this past weekend that I just love. And it's called Love the Dress. Okay. And it is an organization that collects prom dresses, gowns, formal attire, okay. okay, for teen girls to come and, I'm using quotes, shop yeah, for a dress for their prom at a majorly discounted price. So these dresses... That's so brilliant, because yeah. what if they've been worn once? Exactly. And so then they're in prom condition? Right. And then there's a charitable component of just giving back to the community as well. So my role... And this was their 10th year doing it. Okay. You've participated before. Oh, this was probably my fourth year doing it. And I will continue to do so. I was a personal shopper. So I was just basically there to accompany each awkward young girl that came in that didn't know her size or didn't want to talk about her size and has never tried on a formal dress and doesn't know what style she likes. I mean, endless amounts of need for, um, for shoppers shoppers that know a little bit about this process. Exactly. But you know, the, the reason I brought it up was because, um, I was so encouraged in talking to a few of the moms that came with their daughters in that they weren't just looking for prom. Some of them had proms that they were attending, but there were other 
protocols is what they were calling them. Okay. That some of these girls were attending. And typically, I think it was all under an umbrella of like a homeschool tutorial that was putting this on. Okay. But they're basically like a cotillion. How sweet. And I thought this was so cool for the homeschool community. Yeah. To get to have something like that. So I'm not saying this is their prom. They do prom. But in addition to that, about the same time of year in April, in March and April, they have this event where they have learned to do one formal dance that they will be asked to do and Precious. paired off and, you know, that the boys know to ask the girls. And okay. they will be, um, even just the whole invitation process, like the boys know that it's up to them to formally ask the girl if they would like to attend with them. I mean, it was just very old etiquette that I, I was it. just gleaming at hearing. So anyway, I love that. It was fun to pick out dresses, but it was also fun to know they weren't all just going to prom. They were actually going to learn manners in these gorgeous dresses. Do you remember off the air when we were talking with Glenda, who's our guest from last week and this week, um, that we'll be finishing our interview with her. Yes. Um, just off the air, we were chatting and you mentioned that somebody had said that they wish there were adult cotillions. Yes. And Glenda like lit up like a Christmas tree. Yes, let's do it. Yes. And I remembered after that conversation who it was. It was Diane. Edmondson, who, who yes. we've also had on an episode. Who was on our multi-generational chat episode a few weeks back. So yeah, she That's was the hysterical. one that said, I think we should do adult cotillions because we all could either use a refresher or learn it from the start. And do you remember another thing Glenda said is, I think there should be a National Southern Day. Yes. <laughs> so cute. I know. I love it. We can make a push for it. There's a lot stupider yeah. days. Like, yeah. I don't calendar. know how you get how you go about doing a that, nomination but. in, but yeah, we could do that. So anyway, that was my weekend. It was fun. Well, in our continuation of this interview with our lovely Steel Magnolia, Glenda Sutton, um, we're just continuing today. We're going to set up the next portion of that interview. Yes. I ask her some of her favorite places in the South, Mm -hmm. thinking maybe that she was going to say a couple of her favorite cities or towns, but instead she, it turns out her favorite places had more to do with the people she was sitting with. So awesome. And so she talks a little bit uh, here about her, um, sitting with her grandfather and one of her favorite teachers and beta club leaders. So listen in as we finish our little interview here with the wonderful Glenda Sutton. My granddad would sit on the, on his front porch in an old rocking chair that he had made, and he'd be rocking and had that old pipe he'd be smoking with a Captain Black or some kind of sweet-smelling tobacco he'd be smoking. And he would, um, you know, just kind of sing or, or sing an old, a humming old song or, or, you know, you know, or he would, he would be humming, mm-hmm. I know the Lord will make a way for me. He just be humming something, you know. And uh, he had this little song called Cease from Sorrow. There'll be no tomorrow. There'll be joy tomorrow. Because I know the Lord, he'll make a way for me. Mm-hmm. And that was no matter what the day was, then there was always a promise yeah. that the next day would be oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. So that was my favorite, favorite, favorite. Then my next favorite place was a city. It's a city called Alexandria, Louisiana. What made Alexandria so great for me was uh, in high school, I was in the Beta Club, B-E-T-A. Mm-hmm. It was a scholastic club. Well, in the Beta Club, every year you went up to the Beta Convention. Okay. And the Beta Club Convention was in Alexandria. Okay. It was a big deal. Yeah. And, I mean, 
you know, it, it, yeah, it was a big deal. You went there and you were competing with schools or with other mm-hmm. people who were considered smart. Sure. But the, the thing was, is that it was a, that was like our, my first outing. Yeah. And I would, we would go there and you, you got to stay at a hotel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was big time. Yeah. We stayed in the hotel and you got to eat in a restaurant okay. because there wasn't a restaurant in my town that we could eat in. Mm-hmm. But we would go to this place and, you know, all the kids and their kids that were black kids and white kids. Okay. They came together and we would be, they could all, we could all eat in the restaurant. And I didn't realize what an impression that was making on me at that time. And so that even when I went to the military, that became, um, that was a picture that I had. And one of the reasons I really liked going to the military is because there was no discrimination. Well, there probably was, you just didn't know it. Because everybody, everybody had to get up at five o'clock forever, you know? And we all had to wear the same uniform. Everybody got yelled at by the TI. Everybody had to have their beds made, you know? And so... So Alexandria, Louisiana was a favorite place for me in my um, growing up because God used that to help um, strategically shape me for where he was getting to take me. But I didn't know that then. But I liked it. I thought it was just being able to get away. And it was like the big city. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and it wasn't my, you know, other people look forward to going to New Orleans for, for Mardi Gras and things like that. But that wasn't my, that wasn't the desire for me. The desire for me was being able to go to a place where um, we could go in a restaurant together yeah. and I could see people from different schools and I could get to talk to people because growing up, I didn't, we didn't do that. There was a black school and there was a white school. Yeah. So the beta club and going to Alexandria meant that, you know, Lainey, I could have a friend that looked like you, yeah. you know, like you and Laura Beth, you yeah. could be my friends. And sometimes every year, some of those same people would be there the next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now they're familiar faces. Yeah. So that was, that was great That's for me. Cool. And my teacher, I had a teacher, Carol Crane. Miss Carol Crane was, um, she, she taught me to appreciate a literature. Mm-hmm. And she taught me to write. And she would always say, she called me a storyteller too. And she, I would tell her, I would be describing something. And she said, Glenda, you should tell stories. You, you should write the story. And she encouraged me to write. So I would write, I would write short stories and plays. And I would, I would compete. And I would win. Mm-hmm. And or I would do monologues and things like that. But Miss Carol Crane, she was one of the advisors in the Beta Club. So whenever we got to go out of town or go to Alexandria, I knew I was going to get to sit with Miss Crane for that two hours and get to talk to her or share a poem that I'd written or something. And I had her, just had her attention. And until the the day she died, I loved her. I loved her. She encouraged me to write. That is so Um, special. Yeah. My favorite author, well, my favorite I like Shakespeare. Yeah. I like Shakespeare and I like Edgar Allan Poe. Really? Okay. Yes. I still, my favorite, uh, my favorite writing from Edgar Allan Poe was Annabelle Lee. And I, you know, and I was, I, I had my granddaughter who's a freshman at UT uh, Knoxville, had her cracking up a couple of weeks ago because she was talking to me about some literature and things. I said, Aaliyah, it was many and many a year ago in the kingdom by the sea. That a maiden there lived, whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. And Annabelle Lee is a southern name. Yeah. And that maiden, she lived for no other, she had no other desire than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child, in our kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than a love. I am my Annabelle Lee. She said, Grandma, you remember that? I said, Yes. Wow. She said, You're so old. <laughs> But praise the Lord. No, I like I like that Edgar Allan Poe. I didn't learn to um, until I was older to like uh, Alex Haley. I didn't I didn't Alex Haley, and I didn't learn until I was older. I guess until I realized I was black. 
I didn't learn to. I learned. Uh, I loved uh, Maya Angelou. I know why the ba- the caged bird sings. Yeah. I didn't realize that I was the caged bird. Yeah. So I, you know, I I learned to appreciate those things. But I am grateful, and hear me well. I'm grateful that those things didn't shape my life. Right. I'm grateful that um, that what God did with me, what He, even in the midst of, um, you know, segregation, I was able to to look for hospitality. I was able to look for the closest. I was able to see things that I, many times people who were around me just didn't see. I'd have classmates say, we don't get you. <laughs> so that's pretty cool that her favorite places actually had to do with these special people yes. that she got to be around. Yes. And I, I was really blown away just pondering the fact that um, she had been, you know, schools were segregated. Mm-hmm. She couldn't eat at the only restaurant in her town. Or was there, uh, did she say there was a restaurant in town? Well, yeah. I mean, she okay. had mentioned that her grandmother oh, that's cooked right. at the, but yes. it was only for whites to well, eat Well, that's there. true. So there's no restaurant she can eat at. That she can town. eat at. Yes. So she goes to Alexandria on this school trip and she gets to stay in a hotel, eat in a restaurant and eat with other children that look different than her. That are at different schools. Yeah. Yeah. That have a commonality. Impactful. That she's loving. Yes. And she, she even used the word, what an impression that made on her. Yeah. That table time. We love sitting at the table. Yeah. It's a big deal. I loved that. And then it also stood out to me when she was mentioning, she just mentioned this kind of that the Lord was setting her up for what she was going to experience in the future. And one of the things that she loved about the military was that everyone was in the same uniform and for the most part, everyone's treated the same. Yes. And that had not been her experience. Yes. Wow. So thank There's... you, U.S. military, for the many things that you do, yes. including the things that aren't often said, which are things like, like a woman feeling equality in that sense. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyone that can recite poetry unprompted and <laughs> off the cuff like that yes. has great respect in my mind. Yeah. So her... Impromptu Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe was really that was fun and really fun and really surprising to yeah, me and Just apparently surprised her granddaughter too. True, very true. <laughs> That's adorable. Well, she mentioned that those things, those authors that she was talking about at the end, that she enjoyed them, but those weren't the things that shaped her. And we have known Glinda long enough to know that the thing that absolutely shapes her is her faith. Yeah. And she had a rocky start to Mm -hmm. it. So um, you're only going to get to hear a snippet of her story today. But um, just to kind of set up this next part, her experience with, and I'm putting in quotes, religion was not a good experience. And And that was her experience in her, like in the South. Yeah. Yeah. So it really was um, a full mind shift that she experienced um, in the military with um, a young man that kept inviting her to Bible study. So I'm going to let her tell the story. She does it better. So when I left the South, when I left home and went to the military, that's when I encountered Jesus. And I think God has such a sense of humor because in in the South, in St. Joseph, I wasn't allowed. We, we couldn't go to a white church. You know, blacks and whites didn't worship together. But when I got to Italy, San Vito, Italy, the Lord sent this white guy named Craig Harris who would come by 
the uh, my posit, the position where I worked at, and we were on the same flight, in Baker flight in the Air Force, and he would always come by and say, Glendellis, God loves you, God loves you. You know God loves you. And I said, yeah, I've got religion. <laughs> but I didn't have a relationship, so I didn't know God loved me. As a matter of fact, I had been suicidal. I tried several times to commit suicide to take my life because I didn't know of God's love. I didn't know of any self-worth. And I didn't think that I, my life had any meaning. So finally, uh, once I get tricked to Bible study, because he would ask me, he'd always invite me to Bible study, but I always had a reason why I couldn't go. And if I did go, I didn't know where my Bible was. So one night, now God's Holy Spirit has a sense of humor. One night, we were all working swings, which is two to ten. Craig comes by, hey, Glenda, a group of us going to get together after work because we're going to get off at 10 o'clock at night. A group of us are going to get together, and we're going to go out, and we're going we're to go over to the NCO club, and we're going to have a, a pig out, a fellowship pig out. You want to come? Well, I knew about religion. I didn't know about fellowship, so it wasn't a word that was, a, that was customary for me. So in my lightning fast brain, I think, well, if I go to that, maybe he'll stop inviting me to Bible study. That's hilarious. <laughs> so I, I said, well, yeah. He said, well, just bring. I said, what do I bring? So I'm thinking I'm going to a party. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to, it's so 10 o'clock at night. Well, 10 o'clock at night, you know, everybody's That's getting true. together. We're going to hang out. You're going to party. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So I figured, okay, well, he ain't so bad. He likes to party. I'll go with him to this party. And I get there. And I'm the only black person in the room. I walk in there. I got my chips and I got a six-pack of sodas. And I walk into this, to the room that they said they're going to be in. And I think, oh, I must be in the wrong place. I walk in and everybody in there is white. And they got on jeans and T-shirts and stuff. And I say, oh, I'm sorry. And then I hear, hey, Craig. I hear Craig say, hey, Glenda, Glenda. Oh, is this the right place? And I'm looking and I see food back there on the table. He said, come on, bring, bring this up in. So I can put my chips and my sodas back there. And then this gentleman comes in his jeans and his t-shirt named Pastor Dale. Pastor Dale was the pastor of the Campus Crusade for Christ Church on base. Oh, wow. Pastor Dale came and he said, hey, we're going to break open the word, the bread of life. Before we partake of the food, we're going to eat, we're going to eat, we're going to eat some good food first. Oh, well, I came for that food. So... He uh, does that. He breaks open his Bible. Everybody's sitting around. Some folks are sitting on the floor. Some are sitting. You know, it almost felt like a hippie movement. Sure. We were sitting there. And this was in uh, the early, this was in the 80s, early 80s. The folk were sitting around. Some were sitting in different places. Some were in chairs. And they all had Bibles. And some of their Bibles were kind of worn. And he flips it open. He, he opens up to Galatians chapter 5. And he starts talking about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. I was intimately acquainted with every one of the first works of the flesh. I didn't know any of those dudes called the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> and um, so he's talking. And something starts starting to happen to me. Because I'm, he starts talking about a relationship. Intimacy with God. And I'm thinking, I don't have that. I don't know what that is. And he starts talking about how much the Lord loves you. I didn't feel that. I didn't know that. I didn't understand any of that. So after he finishes and he prays, I didn't, I didn't acknowledge anything. But I sat there. Everything on the inside of me was coming alive. Something was happening. Wow. So after, after it was over and they had the fellowship, 
and I, you're eating everything. I go back to my barracks, and I'm just thinking, what just happened? So I go to work the next day, and the funny thing is after that, Craig never came to invite me to Bible study anymore. But the next week, I beat him there. And I got there early enough to talk to Pastor Dale. And I asked him, I told him that I've been feeling strange ever since I left. And then I began to tell him about all the horrible things that had happened in my life. All the reasons why Jesus couldn't possibly love me and why that message couldn't have possibly been for me. And he told me something. He said, Glenda, if you'd been the only one on the face of the earth, Jesus would have come just for you. And when he said that to me, and then he told me that there's not a sin that you could have ever committed that his blood has not already paid for. Wow. He said it's paid in full. And I would go, even this and, and even this? He said, paid in full. I said, what about this? He said, paid in full. Wow. And that night, he prayed for me that afternoon. And I asked Jesus to be, I asked him to be real in my life. I said, I want to know you. I want to know who you really are. And um, that's the day. Wow. That that religion lost its power. Wow. Wow. A relationship took over. Wow. What would you like people to know about the South? <laughs> well, that uh, God is real, even in the South. That's right. <laughs> that the love of that that the love of God. Um, no, now don't don't let me don't let me paint a bad picture of the South. There are people. Hurting people hurt people. That's right. And people who've been healed help heal people. That's right. And there are people that are hurting in the north and in the south, the east right. and in the west. Right. So that, that that is not to cloud the south because I, I just told you earlier how beautiful the south is for the hospitality and for all of that. But one of the things, um, division in any place is bad. That's right. So, but one of the things that the south lends the hospitality. So you see, now if you can take the hospitality mm-hmm. of the South mm-hmm. and the hospitality of the Holy Spirit and bring them together, wow. you have a perfect picture. Because of the hospitality that is so eloquently displayed from the South, from the Southern culture, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's peaceful. It's warm. It's inviting. It's at the table with a cup of tea. Yes. And that's the same thing. That's how I feel when, when the presence of the Lord is there. It's warm. It's inviting. It's sweet. It's let me serve you a cup of tea or let me wash your feet. You know? mm-hmm. And that's what Southern hospitality is about. It's about, well, I, you know, I remember the first time, a funny thing, thinking about Jesus, you know, washing the disciples' feet. And I thought, he had to be from the South. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Southern hospitality. Come on. I want to feed you, I want to wash your feet, I want to serve you. Because that's what Southern hospitality is known for. The Southern culture It's a place of, of serving. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the beautiful, oh, the beautiful things about the South is the serving. She just called Jesus Southern. I'm just saying, that's hilarious. <laughs> but really, what I, I, I love her heart for saying that because she's just talking about that servant right. nature of Southern hospitality. But that, that, that was, was really hilarious. Funny. That was hilarious. And I love her, just her honesty all the time in her sharing even that faith story of it had been strictly just a religion. Laws, before, rules. Yeah. For her. And she actually went to that 
party, she thought, right. to get that guy to stop asking her to go to Bible right. study. Like, see, I am social, right. and I can meet you I just guys. don't want to go to the Bible study. So, <laughs> But I will come to, I don't know what fellowship is, so I'll come to that. I love it. And then also, I loved when she said that the... That the leader said, we're going to break open the bread of life before we eat that food. And she said, well, I came for that food. Yeah, she's like, I didn't come for this other bread you're speaking of. But oh, yeah, so good. it started coming alive inside it her. Did. And she later had questions to go get her questions yeah. answered. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. And she has grown immensely ever oh since. I can't goodness. believe she can even recall Galatians chapter 5. That, that that's that was, what it was. Because she mentioned this was the 80s. Yeah. The 80s. I can't recall any. She was telling that as if that was two weeks ago. I know. It's yeah. true. It's true. Well, this last section Ooh. is just um, very short, but she was commenting about just some time of reflection she was having while being at Papa's place, which is where we recorded this session and where um, her, the plantation that she now owns and, you know, the ministry sits on, it's called Papa's Place. So if you missed that in the first episode, we talked more about that. But she's reflecting out there on loss that she had just recently experienced, some very personal loss of her mother and her son separately on two different occasions, but the loss of her son was very fresh. She was actually out there eight days after her, after having his funeral. Yeah. And it was his birthday. Yeah. And so it was a special day to honor him, but also bittersweet because of the circumstances. So, um, we asked her just, what does it mean to be a still magnolia, or what does that phrase mean to you? This is how she answered that. We were out here, Dare and I were out here, and it had been raining, and then the rain stopped, and Dare called me and said, Glenda, come look at this. And I came out the door, and he said, look at the tree. And I looked at the magnolia tree, and there was these beautiful red leaves that were on it. And then over the top of the magnolia tree, there was a double rainbow. Wow. And the rainbow appeared to be smiling. It was so pretty and the colors were so vibrant. And I stood there on the porch and I looked and I said, oh, my mom and my son are together. Oh, wow. And, and so that was, um, that was a still magnolia moment. And I realized at that moment, and and my favorite tree is the magnolia. (laughs) But a still magnolia uh, represents for me uh, strength. And that was a moment where uh, I needed every bit of strength that I could draw from God. And that moment was so solemn, so holy, so hospitable, so sweet, so humble. In, in everything in that moment, um, that was, to me, that was the greatest Southern hospitality that there was, that the Lord would visit me and would comfort me and would strengthen me at a magnolia tree with rainbows. Wow. You know? Wow. On the porch of a place that I had spoken about while being in a cotton field. 